Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Hey, good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Community. So glad every one of you are here today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here and I'm really glad that you are with us. Um, And then I do want to welcome everybody who's joining us at Lighthouse Online, wherever you might be. Um, Thanks for being with us today. And then I do want to give a special welcome. Uh, One of our other locations is joining us for the teaching this morning. So we do want to welcome Bluffton Community. And one thing that's going on in Bluffton today that I want everybody to know about is that today, Bluffton Community is celebrating their third birthday since they launched in February of 2021. And so isn't that a great thing of what God is doing? Yes. So uh, I think if you leave this location in time, they're having things like smoked meats and stuff like that down there. You might be able to get down there in time for the barbecue afterwards. So uh, all will be good there. Um, One other thing to let you know about, uh, most of you know that we're in the process of getting ready to build our new permanent home on County Road 99. And one of the things that uh, may be very, very helpful with us uh, or towards us with that is the LASCO grant. This is something we shared with you uh, a few weeks ago uh, to be praying about. And what I wanted to let you know is the LASCO grant, uh, that team of trustees is meeting this week to make their decision on who uh, they're going to be um, supporting in 2024. And so I'm just asking uh, this church family, Bluffton community as well, everybody who's joining, if you just take time to pray, um, ask the Lord to uh, show uh, us favor with these trustees. Maybe our application keeps showing up at the top and you know people like uh, what's in there. Um, but just that God would move the hearts of those people if that's for his will, uh, because that would be a pretty powerful thing. And so maybe if you would be praying uh, today, uh, over the next few weeks as well, uh, that would be really, really helpful uh, for us. Now, um, I want to say something, and I want to qualify it uh, a little bit afterwards, but um, you need to understand that your, your faith personally for you, your faith in Jesus, and all of Christianity hangs on one thing. Your faith personally and all of Christianity hangs on one thing. And it's, and it's not the amount of time that you spend reading the Bible. It's not how often or how much you pray. It's not uh, what ministry team you serve on or how often you serve on a ministry team. It's not uh, giving or generosity. Um, it's not attendance in a church. And in fact, it's not even your faith. But in fact, your faith and all of Christianity hinges on one thing alone. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for the next six weeks, what we're going to be spending time is talking about why that is. That Jesus' resurrection is the one moment that actually brings everything together. And so for the next six weeks, as we go through this series called Our Only Hope, we're going to be looking explicitly at Jesus' resurrection and then five implications uh, that come off of that and what that means for us. And I know maybe for some of you who have been a part of the church for a while, you're going, wait a second, we're talking about the resurrection now. Uh, Wait a second, Mr. Preacher Man, I think you're about two months too early uh, to be talking about that. We usually 
usually talk about that in March or April when we celebrate Easter. Um, Well, we're actually not too early. In fact, our elders specifically wanted to teach this series before Easter in kind of preparation to prepare us for Resurrection Sunday. And so that actually leading up to remembering the greatest moment in all of time that our church would be right there, ready to go, dive in, celebrating what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is really all about. And so that's where we're going to be at for the next few weeks. And you have to know that Jesus' resurrection is actually the one moment that gives meaning to all of history before, and it gives meaning to all of the future. And the reality is this, is that probably for most of us in this room, most of us joining us at Bluffton or online, we have actually spent very little time thinking explicitly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? What we spend more time on is how to problem solve relationships in our lives, um, how to deal with this issue that I don't really like that's happening right now. And we've spent probably the least amount of time focusing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible makes it very, very clear that Jesus' resurrection is the most central part. In fact, this should be the one moment that all of us spend most of our time on thinking about, really learning and discovering. And so what I want to do today by kicking off this series is I want to show you what Jesus' resurrection is, why we should believe in it, and then how to invite Jesus' resurrection to actually change and transform your own life. And so, as Josh mentioned, if you have a Bible with you today, if you'll open up to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. We're going to be starting there. But I'd also like you to find 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter is in the back of the Bible. Uh, It's right before 2 Peter. And so, 1 Peter 2, um, but we're going to start in Matthew 28. Before you go there, I do want to take a moment and pray together. So, let's uh, take a moment to pray. God, my, my prayer is that today, this, this would not be a, um, yeah, yeah, we get it, Jesus rose from the dead, um, but rather this would be a moment where we look freshly again at the truth of Scripture, and there would be a moment for every single one of us, no matter whether we uh, have never thought about who Jesus is, we've never thought about his resurrection, um, or we've been following him for decades. My prayer is that today there would be this aha moment that the Holy Spirit opens all of our eyes freshly again to go, wow, oh my, I can't believe the Lord would do that, and he would do that for me. And so lead us to that place this morning that only your Holy Spirit can. May you be glorified, may you be clearly on display um, all throughout this teaching. We ask these things through the matchless name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Hey, Matthew chapter 28, uh, we're going to jump right into verse 1. It says this, After the Sabbath, that was a Saturday, by the way, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so every one of the gospels, including Acts, refers to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what happens after that. Now, I know that the idea of resurrection may be common for most uh, if you've been a part of the church, uh, if you're newer, maybe this is language that you've heard before. But I wanted to find this word resurrection because it's really important to understand what it means. And so let me give you the definition and we're going to unpack it a little bit. Uh, resurrection, according to scripture, is this, is being raised from the dead by God to a new kind of life with God. This is being raised from the dead by God to a new kind of life with God. Now, the resurrection of Jesus is very, very different than any other resurrection that you would have read about in the scriptures prior to his. Those are all a different kind of resurrection. They're not the same. The reason being is they were raised back to life, but they were raised back to their old lives, and they would face death yet Again, so if you think about Lazarus in John, if you think about uh, Jairus' daughter, the synagogue ruler, um, these, they were resurrected, but this is a different kind of resurrection. Jesus is unique, and his is the starting place for every resurrection that will come afterwards. But what the Bible is really clear is that Jesus died and that he was raised from the dead by God. And And I'll tell you, it's very interesting when you read through the New Testament on who gets credit for raising Jesus from the dead. You look at uh, places in the Bible like Acts chapter 2 verse 24 where it says that God raised Jesus from the dead. But then you go to other places like Romans chapter 8 verse 11 and it says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God. And then you even look Jesus' own words himself in John chapter 10. Jesus said, I have the authority to lay my life down. I also have the authority to take my life back up again. And so by according to Jesus' word, Jesus raised himself from the dead. And so it's the question, who, who is it, right? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Was it the Father? Was it the Son? Was it the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, Yeah. Oh, you've been here before. Yeah. (laughs) The answer is yes. Yes. God raised Jesus from the dead. The Father raised Jesus. The Spirit raised Jesus. The Son raised Jesus, right? It's amazing when you begin to think about the beautiful truth of the Trinity and how that impacts uh, just even basic things about our faith. But also, so you begin to see Jesus was raised by God, and he is God, right? He is God, but he's raised by God, and he's raised to a new kind of life. 
a new kind of body. And so when you look at the resurrection accounts and, and you see how people interacted with the resurrected Jesus, you see that he was recognizable. They knew who he was. And at the same time, it took him a second, right? There was two disciples who had an entire journey with him on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't get it until all the way at the end, right? Um, it, it might have been like Thaddeus and Bartholomew. You don't hear much about them, right? <laughs> and so, uh, right, like, we knew who he was, but we weren't really sure. And then there's this other level where Jesus had a physical body where they're touching him, he's making them breakfast, he's eating along with them, and yet at the same time, he seems to be able to be gone in a moment or to materialize in a locked room, So it's like, what is that? And so you begin to see really clearly that Jesus' resurrection, it is this new, amazing thing where he's been raised by God for God in this new kind of a life. When we're talking about Jesus' resurrection, that's that's what we're talking about. And and I've got to tell you, there's overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to bring out three really important pieces of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, one of them, who you might think, oh, I know he's definitely going to go there. We're actually not even going to really talk about today. The one we're not going to talk about is the reliability and um, the accuracy of the New Testament. And you go, well, wait a second, that's so critical. It is critical. But here's why we're not going to go into that. We are at a place now where the New Testament has been so scrutinized, so combed over, so looked for failures and discrepancies and problems, and there just are none, right? That in fact, we're at the place that no thoughtful scholar, no person who's even opposed to Christianity is pushing back on the reliability and the accuracy of the New Testament. This is seen as a reliable historical document that is true. And so we're not even going to spend time talking about that because it's not really worth it. Now, if you want to dive in and look at that on your own time, I would really encourage you to do that. But the three uh, evidences I really want to dial into about Jesus' resurrection are the empty tomb, the post-resurrection appearances, and the lives of the disciples after the resurrection. And so the empty tomb, really quickly, you, when you look at the New Testament, you see that multiple people, multiple eyewitnesses went to the same tomb and they all encountered the same thing. They got there, the stone, the stone is rolled away, they look inside and it is empty. There's nothing in there. Well, some like linens and some cloths and you don't really understand what that's about, but there, there's no body. And I've got to tell you, if you want to shut down Christianity, if you want to shut down this movement, all somebody had to do was to produce the body of Jesus, and it's over. Nobody could. Nobody ever has. Why? Because he's raised from the dead. There is no dead body to recover and to show to anybody. There's always only been an ever tomb. By the way, an empty tomb. By the way, no one has ever even claimed that the tomb wasn't empty. Everybody recognizes that. And so that's one of the first big evidences for the resurrection of Jesus. The second one is his post, Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. You see, Jesus appeared to multiple people multiple times over weeks on end after his resurrection. And so 
This is very, right, at one point it talks about that there are 500 eyewitnesses. This is 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talked about this. There's like 500 eyewitnesses. Some of them had died at that point, but most of them were still alive. You could go and find them and ask them about their encounter with the resurrected Jesus. This is massively different. You have to understand this. This is massively different than every other religious claim in the world. Because every other religion, I'm going to tell you how they start. It's one guy who goes off in the woods by himself and has an experience. It's one guy who goes in a cave alone and has a vision. And then what he does is he comes out and tells all the rest of us what he alone and only he saw, what only he heard, what only he experienced. Seriously, go look at the origin of every other religious claim. That's where they start. Christianity is the one where there are hundreds of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That alone makes it wildly unique. And people talked with him, and people touched him, and people even ate with him. It's clear. There's just no denying it. And the third one is this, is the lives of the disciples after Jesus' resurrection. Because you have to understand that the the disciples literally spent the rest of their lives telling people about the resurrection of Jesus. Every one of them. They stopped fishing. They stopped collecting taxes. They stopped building. They stopped Thaddeusing, whatever he did. <laughs> they all stopped what they were doing and they changed course and made their lives all about telling other people about Jesus all the way to their deaths. Would, would you be willing to die some of the most gruesome deaths possible for something that you knew was a lie? Like, I can't even handle being tickled for more than two seconds, and I'm confessing, right? I'm like, I give up! I give up! Right? This is real. This is legitimate. Listen, The Bible makes the claim that Jesus' resurrection is the central aspect to Christianity and our faith. So much so, the point is made that either Jesus' resurrection will be the cornerstone that you build your faith from, or it will become the stumbling block under which you get crushed. This is what the Bible says. Right? That Jesus' resurrection is the moment that gives every other moment its meaning. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 17, it says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Let me tell you what Paul is saying here. He's saying if Christ is not resurrected from the dead, Christianity is a joke at at best, and it's the worst way to live your life. This This is from the Bible. That if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, right now, every one of us should get up, 
leave this building and never mention Jesus or Christianity again, except for the fact that we all got duped. This is what Paul is saying. Look at verse 20, though. I love verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And so what Paul is saying, he's going, Jesus, resurrection is everything. If you don't have his resurrection, you don't have anything. And Peter writes a letter to some Christians. And in that letter, he says this, now to you who believe this stone talking about Jesus is precious. So what he's saying is if you know Jesus and if you know his resurrection, you recognize there's nothing like it. There's nothing like Jesus, nothing like knowing the resurrected Christ. Look how he continues. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's saying the resurrection of Christ becomes the foundation for the entire rest of your faith. He continues in verse 8. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes him fall. Here's the point. You cannot bypass the resurrection of Jesus and be a Christian. You can't. Because it's either the foundation off of which everything else is built, or if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, it becomes the rock that you stumble on and ends up crushing you in the process. I appreciate what former pastor Tim Keller said when he says this, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like Jesus' teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, who cares what he taught? But if he rose from the dead... Everything he says matters deeply, right? This, this is what the scripture is saying. And so you cannot overlook that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece. It's always been the centerpiece. And quite frankly, most people, most, not all, but most people really don't even have an issue with Jesus. They really don't even have an issue with Christianity up until they get to the resurrection of Christ, that's always been the problem, by the way, right? Like, so the religious leaders, they didn't care much for Jesus at all to start with. But then once he rose from the dead, they grabbed the, the guards who were supposed to be guarding the tomb. Remember the ones who fainted when they saw the angel? They come and they're like, hey, he's gone. <laughs> and so the religious leaders go, uh, tell this lie, the body was stolen. Tell everybody that a couple of fishermen and tax collectors and Thaddeusizers came and they overpowered you and they stole the body of Jesus. You tell them that. That'll be the lie. And they go, okay. Later, John and, and uh, Peter are talking about Jesus and the religious leaders are just there. Once they get to the resurrection, they're like, stop, just stop talking about Jesus, right? When Paul travels to Athens and he's talking about Jesus, they're interested in everything he has to say until he gets to the resurrection of Jesus. And what it says in Acts 17 is once they heard that there was a split, that some of the Athenians, they sneered and they're going, that's ridiculous. And others said, we'd like to hear more about what you have to say about this crazy thing. You, you see, 
But that Jesus' resurrection, that is, that's the dividing line. And, and for a very, very long time, I used to think that people were opposed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's nonsensical. I just, it's nonsensical. A guy who was dead for three days in a tomb, raised to life, and he's alive today, and anybody who puts their faith in him can have a, relation, a healthy relationship with God for all of eternity and be saved from death. And so I used to think that most people were opposed to that because it seems nonsensical. But the more I'm walking with Jesus, the more I talk with people, I realize I was wrong. <laughs> I don't think that's the biggest issue that people have with the resurrection of Jesus and why they, that it's nonsensical. I actually think the bigger hurdle is this that most people wrestle with, whether they're willing to admit it or not, is this. What if it's true? I think that's the bigger issue. I think that's the biggest question. What if this is true? Because if it's true, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me? And you have to understand, people, a lot of people talk about, oh, I don't like change. I'm afraid of change. Nobody, nobody really is afraid of change because change is inevitable. It's going to happen, Right? What we actually fear that comes with change is loss. We fear loss. And when people think about the resurrection of Jesus and the reality of what is this true, immediately we begin to fear loss. What do we fear the loss of? We fear the loss of control. We fear the loss of power. We feel the loss of being in charge. We feel the loss of being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, with whoever I want to do it with. Because if Jesus really is the resurrected Lord of the world, that changes everything. And that's why so many people, even many people in this room right here, Many people in Bluffton community, many people joining us at Lighthouse Online. It's actually one of the reasons so many people like Christianity as a religion. Or they like Christianity as a moral code in order to be a better person. Because quite frankly, on its own, you go, this is not a horrible way to live. Right? You be kind, you show love, you, right? all that kind of stuff. And so most people choose Christianity because they like it as a moral code. But if it's just a religion, and if it's just a moral code, who's in charge? Well, you are. Which is why we like Christianity as a religion or as a moral code. Because you recognize that if Jesus really is the resurrected Lord... There's loss coming. There's a change coming. And, and by the way, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you will suffer loss. You need to know that. If nobody ever told you that, let me be the first to tell you. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you will suffer loss greater than you ever could imagine. But you also gain that which you never even realized could be a reality. Because that's what the resurrection of Christ brings. The resurrection of Christ brings hope. Brings hope. 
real hope. I'm, I'm not talking about hope as a blind desire that things will work out. You know, I have no evidence, but I hope I get this job. I hope, she says, she has, I hope this thing happens, right? That's what, how we usually understand hope, is this blind desire that things are going to work out. But in fact, what true biblical hope is, is it's confidence based on truth. Confidence based on truth. And Jesus made a really powerful claim that said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. So this is confidence based on Jesus. That's what hope is. And when you have hope, hope will literally change your life. And the key to hope is believing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I know for some of you here, you're investigating, you're trying to figure out this thing. And is this whole, is it true? Right? That's the question. Is this thing true? And you're going, how do I believe how do I believe? I'm going to tell you how you believe. I'm going to say it, and it's not going to be super exciting, but I'm going to say it anyways. How do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Here's how you do it. You decide. You decide. You decide to believe. You make the decision to believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. Now, what I want to do is very, very quickly, I want to unpack how to come to that place of decision. Okay, four ways really, really quickly. The first one is you have to identify what the decision even is, right? And the decision is not which moral code should I follow, which religion is the better religion, but rather the decision is, am I going to believe that the, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real? Because if I believe that, all the dominoes on the back end of that begin falling down, right? New thinking, new beliefs, new heart, new life, all of that become coming with him. And so the decision, here's, here's the core of the decision. The decision is this, to lose your current life in order to save your life. That's the decision. The decision is to lose your current life in order to actually save your life. That's what the decision is. And so you've got to identify what the decision is. The next thing you do is you actually gather truth and you gather evidence. And so we've already made the point with the best place to gather this is the New Testament, right? And especially the Gospels when we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in fact, what we've done is we've created a uh, Jesus resurrection Bible reading guide. And so um, this is going to take you through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, as well as some of the letters of the New Testament on these passages that point to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to receive that, um, we will actually send you that Bible reading plan. It's a next step on the back of your connection card just says, hey, please send me the, uh, or no, I think we called it our only hope Bible reading guide. Sorry about that. Uh, but that's on the back of your connection card. Mark that on there. Make sure your email address is on the front. We will send that to you tomorrow morning so you can start using that to see what the Bible has to say about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's one resource I would throw out to you to gather truth and evidence. Uh, we have two other resources I would include. Uh, there are two books. They're actually in our bookstore. Uh, you can pick them up today. One is called uh, The Case for Easter, uh, really straightforward read. And the other one is The Case for Christ. Uh, Case for Christ is a story of a man who set out to disprove Jesus Christ and Christianity and in the process of doing a real investigation uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ and it changed his life. 
And so uh, both of these resources are powerful, and I encourage you to check those out when you're gathering truth and evidence. The other thing I would invite you to do is to think, reflect, and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to wake up your spirit, because what we're talking about is a supernatural work of God. And he's the only one who can truly open your eyes to the truth and the reality of this. And so you identify the decision, you gather truth and evidence, you think, reflect, pray, and then you come to the last part of this, which is very simple, and it's the hardest to do. You decide to believe. That's where it all culminates in. It still comes to the place of a decision that you decide to believe the resurrection of Christ is true. A few months ago, one of our elders, Larry Sewell, uh, introduced our church to a woman by the name of Rosaria Butterfield. And Rosaria Butterfield would describe her, would have described herself as a leftist lesbian professor who set out to fight Christianity. This was her goal. This was what she was after. And so she wrote an article uh, in opposition to Christianity and how it was tied to some things in this world. And in response to that article, she received a letter from a pastor who just simply asked her questions. Questions like this. How did you arrive to the conclusions that you arrived at? Do you actually believe these things that you're writing? What, what do you believe in, in general? Well, that letter led to two years of dinners, conversations, and friendship with this pastor and his wife. And one of the things that Rosaria Butterfield began to do was she began to read the Bible. She'd never done that before. She began to read the Bible. And after a while of reading the Bible, one day she was having dinner with some of her friends, and the way that she writes it, she says, "Uh, one day my transgender friend came over, put her hand on my hand, and said, Rosaria... This Bible reading is changing you, and I'm worried. And, the que- and, and Rosaria began to see this and realize this, and the question that kept coming to Rosaria again and again and again is this. What if this is true? What if, what if this is true? What if it's true that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead? This is what lingered for her. And then in her words, she writes this. Then, one ordinary day, I came to Jesus. I weakly believed that if Jesus could conquer death, He could make right my world. And for the last few decades, Jesus has been transforming Rosaria's life into his character and into his image. And the reality is today, we have people at all of our locations. Some of you, you've been in church for decades. Some of you, this is the first time you've ever been here. And you're afraid to believe 
You're afraid to really believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Not because you're, it's nonsensical. Not because you're worried if people will look down on you. You're asking the question, what if this is true? What does this mean if it's true? I will tell you what it means if it's true. It means that Jesus Christ is Lord over all of the universe. And he has come to make right that which you and I have made wrong. And simply by grace through faith, we can be welcomed into a healthy relationship with God. And if you're a believer, that's, that's what we're inviting others into. That's, that's it. Not all of this other. It's just this. It's the simplicity of Jesus is rose from the dead and everything that comes with that. And by the way, if you're here today and you're going, I've never done that. The invitation for you is, is still there. You're just invited to believe. You don't have to sign a paperwork. There's, right? There's nothing. Just you, you, you trust. You believe. You decide to believe. That's it. And you begin there. And you walk with Jesus from that point. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of your faith and of Christianity. He's the cornerstone. Or he's your stumbling block. You can't get around him and you can't get by him. It's Jesus alone. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message right now? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. Normally, I typically pray for you um, at the end of our time, and um, I just am sensing I don't want to muddy the waters right now. Um, I want you to talk to the Lord. I want you to share with Him. And so just stay dialed on Him for a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you get prepared for our, our prayer leaders while you do that. But we do, we do want to pray for you. And so as you're talking to the Lord and you're listening to Him, let me tell you what's going to happen here in the house is uh, the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in just one more song. And while they're doing that, we have prayer leaders who they're actually going to make their ways to the four corners of our room. Uh, if you'll, we have prayer leaders who are going now. We appreciate you doing that. But um, This is your opportunity to pray about absolutely any area of your life. And so... Maybe for some, it's just simply, I like Christianity, but I don't know if I can cross the line of believing in the resurrection of Jesus. That seems a little too far. I need the Lord to help me to believe. 
and to come to that place. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe your prayer is there's some significant need that's going on in your life right now and you want another believer to pray with you in faith. That's fine. Maybe you have no idea what to pray, but you just know you want somebody to pray with you and to pray over you. That's fine too. Don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Every single one of us needs prayer. And so if you want to pray with another person or one of our leaders, um, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask you to come down and do the same thing as well. So if you're here in the house, let's stand together. Um, Let's prepare to worship the Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.